but happy Father's Day to all you dads. I know Pastor Brett's already said it very well, and we're just so excited to have all you guys here. You know, you guys are so essential uh, to the home being what it is. You're so essential to your kids. You're so important, and what you do is so amazing, and just like the video showed, even if you're not perfect, um, you're so important to your kids. So thank you for what you guys did every day. You have no idea the impact you're having, uh, even on those days when you don't feel like it, so. Um, Pastor Brett actually asked me a couple weeks ago to do this, and uh, I was driving in the car asking God, I was like, God, what do you want me to talk about this morning? And uh, just immediately, he said, I want you to talk about the heart of the Father, the heart of God as our Father. Um, I want to talk about God's heart towards you, towards you, towards each and every person in this room right now. I want to talk about God's heart towards you. Um, because before we can really trust somebody, before we can trust uh, somebody in a relationship, before we can trust what somebody's saying to us, we have to understand what's their heart towards us. What's their motivation towards us? What do they think about when they think about me? And when we understand what God's heart is for each one of us, um, it's easier for us to hear from him. Uh, when we understand what his, what his heart is for us, it's easier for us to respond to what he's telling us to do. Uh, when we understand what his heart is for us, it's just easier to trust him in general. Uh, so that's why it's so important that we all know what God's heart is for each one of us. Uh, so with that in mind, we're going to dig into that today. So number one, uh, God's heart is relationship. God's heart for every one of us is relationship. Uh, God looked at you in more detail than anyone has ever looked at you before. He knows everything about you. He knows the thoughts in your head. He knows everything. He looked at you. He knows everything about you. He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly. He knows all of it. And he looked at you, and he made the decision, I want to choose to have a relationship with him. I want to be a father to him. He made that decision. He wants to be a father. There's nothing more that God desires more than to have that relationship with you. He wants that so badly. And not just any relationship, God wants to be a father to you. In 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 18, it says, And I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You know, a lot of us read that scripture differently based on the kind of dad that we had. You know, if you had a really great dad, you read that scripture and you're like, well, my dad was a great dad, so if God's calling himself my father, he must be pretty great too. Uh, but then there's others of us who may have not had a, such a great dad. And we read that scripture and say, wait a second there. Uh, my dad wasn't that great, so what does that really mean when God calls himself my father? Um, you know, I, I teach at the middle school, and I know uh, about a month ago, the kids had a choir concert, the kids from my middle school, and it was amazing. The kids did so good. There's some people in this room who were in the choir concert, and I just thought it was awesome. And, you know, after the concert was over, I was there with about three or four other teachers, and a lot of the kids ran up to us, and, you know, they were all taking selfies with us and everything. And, um, and we just kept telling them, man, you guys were awesome. It was so good. We were just blown away by how good it was. And I remember one girl in particular who's one of my students, she ran up to me, and I was just being super encouraging to her, and it was such a good time. And then the next morning when I saw her at school, I talked to her again, and uh, same thing again. I said, man, I just want to tell you again what a great time that was last night. You guys did so amazing and just really encouraging her. And last, the night before, she'd been so excited. She was just beaming. She was so happy hearing all that. And then the next morning, I, I said the same thing, and she, she just seemed down about it. I was like, what's going on? You know, what's different? What's different than last night? And it turns out on the car ride home with her dad after the concert, her dad said, that was awful. That was a terrible concert. You did so bad. And basically, that was the stuff her dad was telling her. So for someone who's experienced that from their dad, and you say, God, God, your father, that's going to be really hard to connect that. Is this a good thing? Because she's had that experience. But I want you to know that no matter what kind of experience you've had with your, with your earthly dad, your heavenly father is an amazing father. And we're going to talk about that some more today. Uh, we're going to talk about the reality is that even if the words God our Father uh, don't mean a lot to you right now, the more that you spend time with God, the more that you get to see who he is, the more that you get to see his character, the more you get to see that his heart 
is for you 24-7, 365, all the time. His heart is always for you. The more you experience uh, his presence, the more you see how much he values you, the more you're going to see that God is an amazing father, regardless of what your natural dad was like. He's an amazing father. And that relationship goes so much deeper than just the title. Um, I never remember, I'll never forget, about four years ago, or I guess four or five years ago, something like that, um, I, was, uh, I was going for a bike ride one day. And I, I used to bike ride on the New River Trail all the time. I don't do that so much anymore. I do more hiking now, but I used to do that all the time. And um, it was just a few months after my dad had passed away. And uh, when my dad was alive, we used to bike ride on the trail pretty regularly. He was a lot slower than me, so I'd always hang back with him. And we'd just ride next to each other and just kind of talk as we were riding. And uh, this was a few months after he had gone to heaven and I was riding. And um, just in that moment, I remember I was really missing him. I was really missing my dad in that moment, missing the conversations that we would have had. And, and as I was riding, I was thinking about that. And the thought hit me. I was like, God, when I was doing this with my dad, we used to talk a lot. We used to talk a lot back and forth. And the thought hit me that, like, okay, God, if you're my heavenly father, if you are my heavenly father, and you say you're, you say you're my heavenly father, so I'm going to believe that right now, why don't you have a conversation with me right now too? And that's just the conversation I had with God while I was riding my bike there. And sure enough, as I was riding, he just started talking to me. He talked to me. He reminded me how much he loved me. He talked to me about some things I was trying to figure out in life. He talked to me about some things I was thinking about for the future. He just started having this conversation with me. When he calls himself our father, it's not just the title. There's an, actually a relationship there that he wants to have with us. He actually desires to have those moments with us like that as our father. That's, that's the whole reason he calls us that. I want to encourage you that if you find yourself in a situation where you need to talk to a really great father, God wants to be that for you. He wants to be that for you all day, every day. Whether you have a great father or not, God wants to be there to fill in those gaps for you. He wants to have those conversations with you. No matter what situation you're facing, no matter what you're needing, the best source of information you can ever find is your Heavenly Father. You know, I spent this past week at the beach, and I was there with my mom and my sister and my two nieces who are one and three. And uh, about three days into this trip, uh, my sister comes to me and says, I've lost my car keys. And she's looking, she's torn the, the condo upside down. She's looked over the parking lot. She, she's asked me, she's asked my mom, have you seen my keys? Have you seen my keys? Nobody's seen her keys. And uh, she's just in a big panic because that's her only set of keys, and we're, she's like seven hours from home at that point. And uh, so finally she says, well, I'm going down to look at the beach. Maybe I left them in the beach this morning because we've been in the ocean that morning. So she takes off, and um, while she's down there looking on the beach, uh, my one-year-old niece, uh, her name is Savannah, and Savannah is not real. She talks constantly. It's just not English words yet. You know, she's in that phase where she's just always talking. She's not making, making those English words yet. And I'm carrying her around and just kind of goofing off with her like I do when I'm with my nieces. And, and um, at one point, as we're walking around the condo, I just, just being goofy like you are with kids, I said, Savannah, where's mommy's car keys? And she points towards the bedroom. I said, okay, let's go look in the bedroom. So I walked to the bedroom, and I said, okay, where's mommy's car keys? And she points at my sister's backpack. I was like, okay, well, look in the backpack. And I pick it up and look, and my sister's car keys are right there in the backpack. And as I was thinking about that, you know, my sister was looking in all the wrong places. She was asking the wrong people for advice. She was asking me, and she was asking my mom. Those are the wrong people. If she had just gone to the right source the first time, if she had gone straight to Savannah and said, Savannah, where are my car keys? She could have avoided all that panic and all that searching like that. And it's the same way with God. We spend so much time looking in the wrong places, getting advice from people that we probably don't need advice from. When God's saying, if you'll just come to me first, if you'll talk to me first, I want to show these things to you. I want to reveal these things to you. That's the kind of relationship God wants to have with us. No matter what you need, go to God first because he wants to be that source of information from you. His heart is to have that kind of relationship with every single one of us. So God's heart is relationship. What else? 
uh, God's heart is love. God's heart for every one of us is love. Every thought that God has about you, um, every plan that God makes for you, every word that he gives you is a reflection of the great love that he has for you because he has so much love for you. In 1 John 4 and verse 16, it says we know how much God loves us and we put our trust in his love because God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Did you see that? It doesn't say that love is something that God chooses to do. It doesn't say that love is something that God does on the days he feels like it. It actually says that God is love. Love is actually a part of who he is. It's part of God's DNA. Love is intertwined in who he is. Uh, there's literally nothing you can do, nothing that can happen in this entire world that can separate you from the great love that God has for you. It's an incredible love that he has for you. Um, that means that no mistake from your past can separate you from the love that God has for you. And that means that no mistake in your future can separate you from the great love that God has for you. It's an incredible love. It's always there and it's always available to you. Even, even if, there's, even if that's, yeah, that's the kind of love that you've never experienced before. Maybe you've never experienced that from another person before. It's possible. Um, we live in a world where some messed up people out there, but you can trust in the fact that God is always going to love you like that. It's an amazing love he has for us. Well, what if I'm, what if I'm struggling with experiencing that love? What, what if I'm struggling um, with actually um, knowing that, okay, God loves me this way? What if every time I look in the mirror, all I can see is the thousands of choices that I wish I'd handled differently? What if that's what I see when I look at myself? There's some great news for you in verse 17. It said, and as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. So if you don't quit, if you keep pursuing God, if you'll keep your life in line with what God has for you the best that you can, our love grows more perfect. And there's two sides of that. There's two things that happen when our love grows more perfect. Uh, first of all, our ability to love other people gets stronger. So those people that are in your life right now that when you re see scriptures like, you know, we're supposed to love other people, you think, do I really have to love them too? I mean, God, you know what they did to me. You know how obnoxious they are every time I get around them. Our capacity to, to love those people will increase. It gets easier for us to love those people. And along with that, our understanding of how incredibly loved we are will also increase. When we look in the mirror, instead of seeing someone who's made all these mistakes, we look in the mirror and we see someone that God loves so unconditionally, like Pastor Brett talked about this morning. People want to be loved unconditionally, loved with no exceptions, and God loves us that way. And our understanding of what's available to us because of that love will also increase as our love grows more perfect. In fact, that verse says that we can get such an understanding of God's love that we can face judgment with zero fear. So that means when we're, we're, we're facing God at the judgment seat one day, there's no fear of our past being dragged in front of us. There's no fear of negative consequences. There's total peace because as we look at God, we recognize how incredibly loved we are. That we can get to that point of understanding. God's heart for you, for me, for every one of us in this room is love. Not judgment, not condemnation. His heart for you is so much love. So we know that God's heart is relationship. We know that God's heart is love. What else? God's heart is to know you. And that sounds like something so simple. That sounds like something so simple, and yet the fact that God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the creator of everything we see around us, knows you personally, man, that's a pretty big deal to me, that God knows me that way. God knows the number of hair on your heads. And I know people always say this, some people that's easier than other people to count, but God knows anyways. He knows as they get added, he knows as they fall out. He knows you inside and out, he knows you backward and forward, he knows everything about you. In a Psalm 139, in verse 1, it says, O Lord, you've examined my heart, and you know everything about me. He knows every single detail about your life. He knows even, even, even those weird things that you try to hide from other people, you know, those things about you, like, man, I sure 
you know, if I'm in a relationship, I'm going to wait like six months to a year in before I show people that because it's pretty weird. I don't want to scare them away. Those things about you, God knows about you. He, he knows those things already. And remember that when God sees you, it's not through the eyes of an angry, judgmental, disappointed father. It's through a loving father. Every time he sees you, it's through those eyes of love. In verse 2, it goes on to say, you know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. So even in those moments where we feel far away from God, even in those moments where we feel disconnected from God, he says in his word, he's right there with us. He's right there with us in those moments. He's so involved in our lives that he even knows our thoughts. That's amazing to me. There's no reason to try to hide things from God because he knows them anyway. You know, he's so involved in our lives. Um, he already knows them. He'd just be, just be open and honest with God when you're struggling because he wants to get in, get in your mess and bring healing and bring fixing to those things too. He wants to do that. Bring fixing to things. That's a good country thing to say. Anyways, he loves you and he wants to help. And it goes on in, a, in verse 3. He says, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home. So you see what I post on Facebook. You see what I watch on YouTube. God sees it all. He's always right there. He knows everything about us. He says, you know everything I do. And then verse 4, you know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. Now, this, this may just be me, uh, but how many of you guys have ever got ready to say something before, and in your spirit, you just hear, don't, don't say that. Don't say that. Am I the only one who's ever been through that? Okay. You know, God knows what we're going to say before we say it, and he'll help us filter out those things we probably shouldn't say sometimes. Uh, if we'll listen to them. That's, that's the addendum on there. We have to choose if we're going to listen to them. You know, I already told you I work in a middle school, and, and at one point this year I was, I was standing in the hallway, and I saw a resource officer leading one of our students down the hallway, and basically he had said some things that you shouldn't say in school or really anywhere in this day and time. You shouldn't say some things. And he said them, and he was having to deal with the consequences from that. And as the resource officer was, was leading him down the hallway, I could hear the resource officer trying to give him some wisdom there. He, I heard him say, just stop talking. Your mouth has already got you in enough trouble. That's what I heard him say as he was walking by me. And that's great advice right there. Sometimes if your mouth is getting you in trouble, just stop talking for just a little bit, long enough for common sense to sink in there and start getting it. Sometimes the best thing we can do in certain moments is just stop talking. You know, a big thing in our society now is I just, I just need to speak my truth. I need, to, I need to speak my truth. And that's an okay thing as long as your truth lines up with what God's truth is. And if our, if our truth is different than what God's truth is, that's something we should probably keep to ourselves because it's important that our words are lining up with what God, what God's, what God would say through us. Because God knows our thoughts. He knows our struggles. Uh, God, God knows you. Every person in this room, God knows you. If you feel very distant from God right now, I want you to know that God knows you and he wants to be very involved in your life. And the Bible says that nothing's hidden from the presence of the Lord. He knows it all. So I want you to think about the fact that even though God knows everything about you, he knows every thought that you have, um, he even knows all your weird. We already talked about that too. He desires to be your father, and he loves you without question. That's God's heart towards you. So we know that God's heart is relationship. Uh, we know that God's heart is love. We know that God's heart um, is to know us. What else? God's heart is to help and protect you. God wants to help and protect us. Because uh, there are moments in life uh, where we just need some help. I don't know about you guys, there's moments in life we need help. You know, when we're together here at church, it's amazing because we have this awesome support system around us, uh, but who, people who will stand with us and fight on our behalf. But sometimes when we're not here, when we don't have this support system just immediately around us like this, um, we, need, we, we need some help sometimes. There's moments we need help. And in those moments especially, God wants to help us out. In a Psalm 54, verse 4, it said, But God is my helper, the Lord keeps me alive. 
don't know about you guys, there were some moments, especially in my teenage years, where I know that God kept me alive. You know, we do some dumb things sometime in life. And, uh, you know, it could have gone a very different direction on multiple occasions, but God has kept me alive. Um, you, know, you guys know I love hiking. And uh, th- th- this past spring break, I decided, my sister lives up near Shenandoah National Park, and uh, there's a hike up there called Old Rag, which has been on my bucket list for a while. It's one of the top hikes in Virginia, and I've heard it's very difficult, but in my mindset, I do hikes all the time, so I thought this would be really fun to do. Um, so for spring break, I was up there, and I decided I'm going to do Old Rag on this particular day. So I, I leave my, house early, my sister's house early that morning, uh, get out there, and it actually snowed the night before. So I get out there, and this 10-mile hike, and the first three miles are just beautiful and snowy, walk through the woods. It's kind of a gentle climb through there. And um, I get to a point where it's suddenly not so gentle anymore. I get to a point where there's boulders you're having to climb up. There's actually places where, like, I had to wedge myself through and kind of, like, walk up walls to and twist myself around. And there's one place where there was, like, a ledge here, and I basically had to press with my feet, grab the ledge, and basically pull myself up over it. And, and there were places where I climbed up on rocks, and because they were snow-covered, they were actually, like, I slid off the rocks and then had to figure out another way to get there. It was a very difficult hike. It was very scary at moments. And because it had snowed, this is a hike that's usually packed full of people. I was up there by myself. There was nobody. So I get about, you know, three-fourths of the way through this hike. I've done all these difficult maneuvers. And then I get to a point where basically the way you have to maneuver this section is there's a big boulder you have to kind of shimmy up on. And I get up there and I do that. But then when you're on this boulder, there's about a 20-foot drop. And you basically have to jump from this boulder to this next boulder, which is a little higher which normally you could do that. Normally that wouldn't be too stressful, but remember, everything's snow-covered. Um, so I get up there on this boulder. I, I climb up there. I'm on it, and I start trying to, like, kick off to do my jump to get over there, and every time I kick, my feet are sliding. And I can't figure out how to do it. And I spend probably 10, 15 minutes, and then finally I, I climb off of that, and I start looking around and trying to find, like, I don't know, like a stick to wedge in there to press off of, and, and I can't find anything. And to get to this point, because of the snow covered on things, there have been several places where I actually had to, like, slide down rocks to get to the point I'm at now. So, like, there's no way to get back. So I'm, I'm on top of this mountain, totally by myself. It's snow covered. And I remembered that when I bought my pass to do this thing, there was a little waiver button I had to click that basically said, if you have to be rescued, you're responsible for the cost of it. So I'm in my head, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, how much is it going to cost for them to send a helicopter out here to get me off of this mountain? And I'm getting kind of overwhelmed because there's no cell phone signal, so I can't call anybody. And I'm standing up there, and I'm just feeling, you know, it's, it's scary. It's scary when you recognize I don't know how to get off this mountain. I went over and looked on this way, and I was above the clouds and just saw straight down. I saw nothing but the clouds under me. So I walked over this way, same thing on that side, and I just felt like I was totally stuck. And after I had exhausted every possibility that I could figure out to maneuver through this, I took a moment, got my water bottle out, and started drinking. I was like, God, I need some help. I said, I don't have a clue how to do this on my own. I need some help right now. And as I'm standing up there just drinking water, just, you know, getting myself calm and trying to figure this thing out after, after praying that prayer, off in the distance, I start to hear the sound of hiking poles. I hadn't seen another person the entire day, and I start to hear hiking poles. And after like a minute, this guy crosses the, crosses the rock, and he comes over where I'm at there, and we talk for a moment, and he said, I'm so glad you're doing this because he said, I don't, I don't know this trail and I've basically been following your footprints the whole time to get where you're at here. And I said, well, I'm kind of stuck right now on this rock. You know, can we figure out a way to cross this? And we actually helped each other cross this rock and then basically talked the whole way back. Me and, him, me and this guy walked together, a guy named Tony. And I got back, and I, and I got to my sister that day, and I got back to the house there, and I told my sister, I said, I'm pretty sure God sent me an angel named Tony that cusses like a sailor. I said, that's, I, I said I'm pretty sure that's what just happened there. So, 
But in, in that moment where I, where I had literally nobody, I couldn't call anybody, I was by myself, I just took that moment and said, God, I need some help. And literally within a minute, it was amazing. I started hearing those hiking poles like that. You know, God loves us, and he wants to help us, and he wants to protect us. He wants to be that involved in our lives. And this guy, this guy wasn't even from the area. He drove four hours from Maryland to get there. And I'm convinced that God sent him knowing that I was dumb enough to get myself in that situation. So, so God, God will help us out in those moments like that. But it's up to us to go to him in those moments and ask him for help, ask him for that protection. He wants us to ask him for those things. In a Psalm 18 and verse 2, it says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He's my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. I love that about God. God's our helper and he's our protector. Uh, no matter what we face in life, remember that God, the God that is in you is greater than he that's in the world. The God that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. And that should give us some boldness. That should give us some confidence in life, knowing that God's with us in every moment of every day. So we know that God's heart is relationship. Uh, we know that God's heart is love. We know that God's heart is to know you, and God's heart is to protect you and keep you safe. What else? Uh, God's heart is for you to have victory. That's God's heart. He sees so much victory that even, even in difficult moments can't, can't steal our joy because we know that there's victory coming in the midst of that and also victory coming after that too. God wants us to be so, so aware of the victory that's available for us. If we could see what God sees, if we could see what he sees, we'd be so excited about what's ahead of us. Jesus shows us this beautifully, um, even in the middle of the hardest day that anybody's ever experienced. In uh, Hebrews 12, in verse 1, it says, And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. What does it mean to run a race with endurance? It means you keep going. It means you don't quit. It means you stay focused on the destination that you're heading to. You're focused on where you're going. And how do we do that when we're running the race of life? In verse 2, it says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So Jesus is our champion, but what, if our, what did our champion do? It goes on to say, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. What was the hostility that Jesus endured? Man, he was whipped. He was beaten. He was blindfolded while people punched him and said, prophesy about who hit you. He had crowns actually shoved into his head um, all before being nailed on a cross and hung out in, in total nakedness, um, experiencing the shame and the gruesome death that it was to be crucified back in those days. That was the hostility Jesus endured. And despite all that, we just read that because of the joy awaiting him, he endured every bit of it. He went through what he was facing with joy because uh, he experienced pain like any of us would. Jesus wasn't supernatural to the degree that he didn't experience pain anymore. He still experienced pain just like any of us would in that situation, and yet his heart was full of joy because as he was going through that, he was looking ahead to what, what was coming because of what he was doing. He was looking ahead to the billions of people that would get to hear about him and, and how much God loves them. He was looking ahead to me, and he was looking ahead to you. He did it with joy because he was looking at us. He was seeing the power of sin broken in our lives. He was seeing chains broken in our lives. He was seeing the life of freedom that was available to us. He was seeing that, and that brought him joy as he was being beaten, as he was being led to the cross. That brought him joy because that's his heart. That's God's heart towards us. Joy empowered him to endure everything they threw at him. That was such a powerful joy. The victory that he knew was coming brought him joy despite what he was going through in that moment. And we can, we can learn a lesson from that. We can carry that same joy with us in our lives. No matter what you're facing right now, no matter what things feel like, as we go through life, it's not the size of our faith. You know, the Bible talks about having a mustard seed size faith. It's the size of who our faith is in. 
And when our faith is in God, man, we can have joy in the midst of any situation that life throws at us. Because the reality is in life, we're going to get some difficult stuff thrown at us. That's part of being human. But we can, we can maintain our joy knowing that we have the victory in the middle of the situation, and there's also victory on the other side of it too. We can know that. Because of him, we can go through anything with joy just like Jesus did. We've got so much victory in our future because of God. In, in James 1, in verse 2, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. So let me ask you guys a question. We'll just do a quick survey in here real quick. How many of you guys, when you go through moments where great troubles come your way, your first reaction is, this is an opportunity for joy? Just out of curiosity, does anybody, when great troubles come, is that your first thought? Okay, I don't think I see a single hand in here. Man, this is what's available to us. Notice it does not say when great troubles come that we pout and throw a tantrum when things are tough. It doesn't say that. Uh, Notice it does not say that we get all depressed and let what's happening to us ruin our day. Uh, Notice it does not say that when we're having a bad day, we can make the lives of people around us miserable. Notice it doesn't say that. It says when, when hard times come, it's an opportunity for us to face them with great joy. Remember that next time. It's going to be the first time this happens after we, we talked about the scripture the first time. You have a bad day and the Holy Spirit reminds you of this. You're going to be like, man, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't feel that at all, but I promise you this will help you. Just like Jesus handled his hard moments with joy because he knew there were good things ahead, so can we. In verse 3, it says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So there's that word endurance again. If you handle hard times with joy, it says here it helps your endurance grow. You know, most of the hikes that I do are up big mountains because I love when you hike, they just get a payoff view at the end where you see a beautiful overlook and that kind of thing. You know, hiking through woods is pretty, but I like to see a big overlook at the end of it. That's what gets me excited. So most of the hikes I do are significant hikes up mountains. And when I first started hiking a lot, you know, there was a while there where I'd be in the middle of a hike and get into it a ways, and I had just had that thought, I'm going to die up here. And not, not because of any danger around me, just because of how hard I was breathing, how difficult it was, because it's strenuous when you walk up a mountain. And now a lot of those same mountains that were so difficult back in those days, because I've done them over and over and over again now, I can actually carry on a conversation with somebody while hiking up a mountain, which before I was gasping for breath and trying to, lot, trying to live and survive. Um, and basically, the, as you do things like that, your endurance grows. And I want to, and, and as we do, as we, as we pursue God this way, as we continue, decide that we're going to face situations with joy, we're going to see our endurance grow. Um, here in just a moment, I'm actually, we're going to watch a short video. Um, Pastor Britt actually shared this video on his Facebook. He doesn't know I'm showing this video, but he did. Uh, but it puts it in perspective um, what's really important in life and how to approach life with joy regardless of what you're going through. No matter what you're going through, it's important to keep our perspective on what's really important. And remember, we're talking about victory. And this is actually a video, um, it's an interview with some Oklahoma softball players. Uh, So I want you guys to be encouraged by this. Let's watch this video. I'll start with ESPN for for the players. I know you talked about keeping the joy of the game, but I'm curious, it's a long season, right? And you guys have had the target on your back the entire time, the win streak being number one. How do you handle the unique pressure that comes with that? How do you keep the joy for so long when anxiety seems like a thing that could very easily set in? Well, the only way that you can have a joy that doesn't fade away is from the Lord. And any other type of joy is actually happiness that comes from circumstances and outcomes. Um, I think Coach has said this before, but joy from the Lord is really the only thing that can keep you motivated, um, uh, just in a good 
mindset, uh, no matter the outcomes. Thankfully, we've had a lot of success this year, but if it was the other way around, uh, joy from the Lord is the only thing that can keep you embracing those memories, moments, friendships, and all of that. So uh, I would, that's really the only the only answer to that because there's no other way that softball can bring you that um, because of how much failure comes in it and just how much of a roller coaster the game can be. 1,000% agree with Grace Lyons. Um, I went through that my freshman year. I I was so happy to win the college. I've talked about this before, but I was just so happy that we won the College World Series, but I didn't feel joy. I didn't have, I didn't know what to do the next day. I didn't know what to do for that following week. I just didn't feel filled, and I had to find Christ in that, and I think that is what makes our team so strong is that we're not afraid to lose because if it's not the end of the world if we do lose. Yes, obviously, we worked our butts off to be here, and we want to win, but it's not the end of the world because our life is in Christ and that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, I think a huge thing that we've really just latched onto is eyes up and you guys see us doing this and pointing up, but we're really like fixing our eyes on Christ. And that's something where, like they were saying, you can't find a fulfillment in an outcome, whether it's good or bad. And, um, I think that's why we're so steady in what we do and, and our love for each other and our love for the game because we know this game is giving us the opportunity to glorify God. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think once we figured that out and that was our purpose and everyone was all in with that, um, it's really changed so much for us. And I mean, I know myself, I, I've seen so much of a growth in myself with um, once I turned to Jesus and I realized how he had changed my outlook on life, not just softball, but understanding how much I have to live for and that's living to exemplify the kingdom and I think that brings so much freedom and I'm sure everyone's story is similar but we all have those great testimonies that have really like shown how awesome it is to play for something bigger Um, and I think that's just what brings me so much joy and no matter the outcome whether we get a trophy in the end or not we're this isn't our home and I think that's what's amazing about it is we have so much more we have an eternity of joy with our father and I'm so excited about that and Yes, I live in the moment, but I know this isn't my home, and um, no matter what, my sisters in Christ will be there with me in the end um, when we're with our, our king. So, And that was on ESPN, so just what an awesome, awesome, awesome testimony that was. So, so like they said, when we go through hard times with joy, knowing that God has the victory in our future, our endurance is going to grow to the point that difficult situations don't, take, don't, don't roll us anymore. You know, you're not going to go through life where everything's just constantly beating you up and you're constantly being affected by it. When difficult times come, we just this is another moment for God to show up in our lives. That's what he wants to do, do for us. His heart is for us to have that victory. We'll be able to handle them with peace and joy, hard times with peace and joy, knowing that there's good things coming in the midst of this and good things on the other side of it too. So as, as we start to wrap things up today um, on Father's Day, it's Father's Day, I love Father's Day, uh, remember that your heavenly Father's heart towards you is relationship. Man, he wants a relationship with you so badly. He wants that with you more than anything else. Uh, remember that God's heart for you is love. Remember that every single thought he has towards you, is, is a, it comes out of that love that he has for you. If you walk around thinking God's angry at me or God's mad at me, he's not. That's not God. Man, he just loves you so much all the time. Uh, remember that his heart is to know you. You know, if you're in a place in life where you don't feel very seen, um, if you don't feel like people really know what's going on with you right now, God does. He knows your thoughts. He knows what you lay in bed and think about at night. He knows what you're struggling with. Um, he knows that. He knows everything about you. And man, just loves you so unconditionally in spite of all that. Um, his heart 
is to keep you safe, to protect you, to help you. God wants to be with you in those moments that are very hard. He wants to protect you in those moments like that. And his, his heart, God's heart, his desire is for you to experience victory on the daily basis. He wants you focused on the victory ahead, but he wants you to experience victory in your life on a daily basis. And if you're not ex- currently experiencing God in all those ways, uh, make a decision now that you're going to because it's how he sees you. It's what he looks at when he, every time he looks at you, this is what his heart is. This is what he's feeling. This is what he's thinking. This is the heart of the Father. Uh, make a decision now that you're going to pursue God in such a way um, that you do experience him more than you ever had before, that you can fully experience his heart for you. Make a decision that you're going to make him a priority so you get to access these parts of what he sees when he looks at you. You know, if we're not experiencing that, usually it's because we're so focused on other things that we don't recognize that this is here and available to us. Make a decision, especially on Father's Day, as we recognize our fathers, whether they're here or in heaven, whether it's a father figure, whatever it is, whoever's been born in your life, Take a moment to recognize God and say, God, thank you so much for being my heavenly father. What can I do to pursue you more? What areas of my life can I pursue you more? And if you'll approach him that way, you'll be amazed at how your life is going to change and change and change. And you start to get experience in these things, like those softball players talked about, where you have joy no matter what life throws at you because you're secure You're secure in who you are with God. Man, that's what, that's what I want for all of you guys. That's what God wants for us. You'll never find a better father figure. And you can have the most amazing dad in the world. I had a great dad in so many ways. God's better. He is the most amazing father figure. So maybe, maybe you've never experienced God in this way because you've never taken time to accept the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. I'm going to ask you guys just to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment here. And as I do this, I want you guys to look at your heart for just a moment. I want you to not be distracted by people around you, but look at your heart as I read the scripture. In Romans 10:9. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's all there is to it. Basically believing that Jesus died and rose again to pay the price for your sin and then making the declaration that from this moment forward, Jesus, you're going to be Lord of my life. That's all it takes to start a relationship with God. That's all it takes to start experiencing him as your heavenly father, the one who desires that relationship with you so strongly. If you've never done that before and you'd like to do that, you'd like to make that decision today to give your life to God, to give your life to God, um, I'd like you to raise your hand right now. And I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to know that you're leaving here with the best relationship with God that, that, that he's been desiring for, for your entire life. So if you've never done that, if you've never made that decision to give, give your life to Jesus, raise your hand. I'm not going to call you up here. I'm not going to embarrass you. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? God gets so excited about this. They actually throw a party in heaven every time someone gives their life to him. That's what the word says. I'll give you all just a moment longer here. Man, God is so excited about this. God desires this with you today. There will, there's nothing that will make this a better Father's Day than for you to be introduced to your Heavenly Father in a supernatural way. All right, y'all can put your heads down. Let's keep your eyes, eyes closed just a moment longer. Uh, maybe you've done that. Maybe you've started that relationship with God, but um, maybe you're in a place where you've walked away from God. Uh, maybe you've continued to allow sin in your life, even, even though you know you shouldn't. Or maybe there's some things that God has been telling you to do that you haven't been doing. You've been holding back in some areas. Uh, God loves you so much as one of his kids that he made a way for you to get all that right with him. He made a way for you to come back and get forgiven and cleansed from all those things. In uh, 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins to him, if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So when we confess our sins to God, when we turn away from our sins and turn back to him, he forgives us and cleanses us of those things. When I was doing youth ministry all the time, I used to basically say, you could pick up the phone after you pray this prayer 
and try to call God and say, God, I want to talk to you about all these things I've done. And he won't have a clue what, you, what you're talking about. Because he said, I've forgiven you and I've forgotten those things. He won't have a clue what you're talking about. He wipes the slate clean and he offers us total and complete forgiveness. So if you can say, I'm a believer, but I've got some sin in my life or I've walked away from God in some areas and I'm ready to repent and come back to him. If you'd raise your hand for that, I'd love to pray with you today too. And we can leave here back on track again. I see lots of hands coming up for that. God gets so excited about this too. Lots of hands popping up. Because we're making this commitment that we're going we're gonna to pursue God. We're going to live for God uh, on Father's Day. There's nothing better than that right there. I'll give you all just a moment longer here because I still see more hands popping up. And I want all you guys to get in on this that want to. We're going to leave here forgiven and cleansed and free uh, from anything that we've been, that's been holding us back. So, all right. So what we're going to do now is I'm just going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to ask you guys to pray this after me. Repeat these words after me, but don't say them just because I'm saying it. Recognize we're talking to God right now. Make this a conversation between you and God. Let's pray this together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sin and opening the door for me to have a relationship with you. Today, I turn from my past and I turn towards you as the Lord of my life. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.